basically my business model is, is we go take a huge amount of government data, make sense of it, and build a website to help consumers make informed decisions. But in the process of doing that, I found that many of the Jamstack tools essentially don't allow you to build SEO-friendly websites at scale. What I mean by that is anything over about 10,000 pages, uh, most of the tools start to choke or you have build times that last a day. And I just swore that I would never build on another framework where I didn't understand all the SEO implications. And so that was really why I wanted to build my own. Hey, this is Brian, and you're listening to Jamstack Radio, a bi-weekly series where we discuss the Jamstack, a new way of building websites and apps that are fast, secure, and simple to work with. Jamstack Radio is brought to you by Heavybit, a program dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. Welcome to another installment of Jamstack Radio. On the line, we got Nick Reese. Nick, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about what you built, which is ElderJS. So do you want to give us an intro of you, how you got started, and then so how have you navigated into ElderJS? So yeah, my, my background is in internet marketing, uh, really performance marketing, and I've kind of self-taught myself JavaScript over the past uh, three to four years. Can I ask performance marketing? I'm a little naive. What does it mean by when you say performance marketing? Yeah, essentially, uh, it's also known as affiliate marketing, but affiliate marketing gets a pretty bad rap. Okay. Essentially, what the performance means is a company offers you their customer acquisition cost or something less than that. So let's say it's with Verizon, and they cost them $400 to generate a customer. They would pay me $200, and if I could generate a customer under $200, it's obviously profitable for them, and I can basically run a business there. And so that's that's been my business since I've really had bills to pay, so to speak. Um, so I've been doing this for more than... It's just about 15 years right now. And I started out with WordPress as my standard way of doing things. And then as I taught myself uh, JavaScript, I was longing for some of the great things of WordPress and kind of missed a lot of the things that, well, I wasn't going to miss a lot of the things that that WordPress didn't do well. Um, So my last company was broadbandnow.com. And we helped about 30,000 people a day find internet service providers in their area. And after selling that company, I decided that it was time to start another project. And that project was Elder Guide. And it's essentially a, a tool that helps you find all the nursing homes and helps you compare them, basically using government data. Basically, my business model is, is we go take a huge amount of government data, make sense of it, and build a website to help consumers make informed decisions. But in the process of doing that, I found that many of the Jamstack tools essentially don't allow you to build SEO-friendly websites at scale. Uh, and what I mean by that is anything over about 10,000 pages, uh, most of the tools start to choke or you have build times that last a day or other problems. And so essentially, I, I started building Elder Guide uh, with using SvelteKit, well, the version before SvelteKit, Sapper. And if you're not familiar with Svelte or, or Sapper, essentially, it's a, hopefully you've heard of Next.js. Uh, it's essentially a, a framework for Svelte uh, that allows you to build static sites or interactive applications. And what what I found in using uh, Sapper is that essentially it didn't fit my needs perfectly, but I was very convinced on Svelte, that Svelte was essentially the answer. I I often joke that Svelte gives you superpowers. So in that process, I decided that, you know, I I could probably build my own static site generator. It should only take like an afternoon, right? You know, those those classic, an afternoon, and air quotes. And I hacked on it, got something workable in an afternoon, but very quickly it evolved and it grew. And I ultimately... I shipped Elder Guide, and the Svelte community was impressed and asked how I did it and asked if I would open source it. And so I thought long and hard about it and decided, hey, 
I might as well give back to the open source community that I've essentially built all my businesses on. And yeah, Elder.js was born and I'm here today talking about it. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Uh, for listeners that have been listening for a bit, um, episode 51, we had Sean Wang talk about Spelt specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we had uh, Scott Talensky talk about Sapper. So the previous version of, of SvelteKit on episode 62. So if you listen to all the episodes, you probably have heard of those terms. If you haven't, definitely go back and listen to those for the listener's sake. But that's actually really intriguing. And I just want to take a step back too, because I, I realized the reason you're on is because we were, I don't know if it's a mutual friend, but the one, the founder of OneGraph uh, reached out to me and was like, hey, we, we chat a lot. And uh, he's like, you should have Nick on to talk about hmm. Elder.js and, and what the project that he built out of that or from that. Because I was in Florida for four months this year, and it was because I was actually taking care of my elderly grandma and sh- getting her back into her home. We didn't end up using um, Elder Guide, but I wish I actually used that because it would have been so much easier uh, talking to me and my brothers and trying to figure out what next steps were. So thank you very much for that service. Uh, but also thanks for open sourcing uh, some of this SEO goodness too as well. Yeah, my pleasure. I, I'd never ever built a an open source tool or maintained it. It's quite a bit more work than it looks like, um, but it's oh yeah, it's a lot of fun. And like for me, like being self taught everything essentially, I, I learn much faster when I teach myself. I was really scared of releasing my code and essentially getting that you know criticism of your peers and whatnot. But the reception has been really good, and Elder.js kind of exceeds the expectations for what you would expect from a static site generator in a lot of ways. It offers a lot of the the great things that that WordPress has, such as short codes and a hook system where you can plug into any part of the build process or the page generation process. Um, but it also, um, the main reason I, I built it was there was no real framework for doing partial hydration. Instead, almost all the frameworks were pushing the entire like JavaScript bundle to the client and rehydrating everything. And uh, if these are you know industry buzzwords, I'm, I'm happy to take a step back and explain them. But essentially, my goal with Elder.js was to ship essentially zero kilobytes if I didn't need to of JavaScript. Yeah. And that's what it does today. And so you're able to partially hydrate different parts of the page that need interactivity. If it doesn't need interactivity, it just gives you static HTML. Yeah, and I, I this all makes sense too as well, especially for the the nature of the broadbandnow.com and as well as Elder Guides. You're serving a lot of data and you're serving specific data for the user's needs. So like if I'm in New York and I'm looking for, or even Florida probably is a better use case, uh, retirement homes or retirement villages in like the Tampa Bay area, I'm getting a lot of data because there's going to be a lot to sort of sift through and I might not want 150 retirement homes within like this zip code. I might just want, you know, paginated stuff. And then maybe it's, is it my, on the right page of like, maybe I don't want the first 25 and just give me that partially hydrated. And then when I go ahead and refresh, I get the next batch. Yeah. Essentially, that's, that's what Elder Guide is doing is it populates the page with the service providers that are available in that area. So let's say Tampa Bay, but you also have a map. Ability, So you can expand the map and then it becomes dynamic. Yeah. So Svelte takes over and then we have a full, it's a fatter client than most of the sites I build, but it's really what needed to be uh, decided on. Because often people, people when they're deciding on nursing homes or elder care facilities, they essentially are looking generally either on price or distance from where they live. And since those are the two main uh, deciding factors, I thought a map is really the right way to make these decisions. Okay, cool. And I, I want to take a step back too as well, because uh, you mentioned that you're self-taught uh, and you built this project. And it sounds like you had to learn a lot of stuff on the fly too as well. Uh, and I know for a fact that folks that listen to this, uh, not everybody that listens to this podcast actually writes code. Maybe they're aspiring to write code or maybe they just sort of just been 
tangential, maybe a product manager or maybe just doing sales and marketing, just wanted to be up to speed. And I'm thinking of specific people who are listening. So if you're listening and you know who I'm talking about, just definitely send me a text and say, thanks for thinking of me. But I'm curious of your sort of ramp up into learning about all this stuff. Because I imagine with the marketing, you get the SEO stuff. But knowing how to approach that, like how did you sort of overcome that? And like, why did the Jamstack become the solution for you? Well, this is kind of like a two-part question because uh, essentially it was a 2018 timeframe. My business partner and I had built broadbandnow.com. We had a pretty uh, decent team that the company was self-sufficient and we were bored. We were like straight up bored. We built a successful startup and we were ready to do something else. We both got pretty hardcore into crypto. And I jokingly said, hey, I'll, I'll build a cryptocurrency bot. You write the the statistical logic of when we should trade, and I'll write everything else. And I, and I had never written any really meaningful JavaScript besides some, you know, jQuery stuff. And I sat down, and I started writing out like how I would approach it. And you know, two months later, we had a fully functioning bot that was moving, you know, tens of millions of dollars on Binance a day. And so that that was my first JavaScript project ever. Wow, that's amazing! I built it all myself using my own money and learned a lot and lost a lot of money, um, and then it finally broke even. At the end of it, because um, the market tanked, but that's that's what motivated me to learn JavaScript. Is essentially I needed a new challenge, and cryptocurrency is is really interesting because you have uh, high frequency data or, or data pipelines, and JavaScript is essentially the the perfect uh, language in a lot of ways because it's uh, so event oriented, and so you can. I got to learn Node kind of inside out doing that, and you can ask my wife. I didn't really sleep. I just focused on that. When I get into something, I kind of throw myself all in. My wife likes to joke and say that either I'll die from this or I'll become immortal. That's how I kind of uh, approach things. She says, you know, like you go all in and you don't joke about it. And so that's essentially how I learned JavaScript. And when it came to building the static site generator, it was just kind of the next logical step because I had used, I'd used Gatsby to build a couple sites. I'd migrated some sites off of WordPress. And when we sold our, our last company, I had a consulting contract and part of my consulting contract is I needed to acquire a site, turn it around and essentially make it more profitable. So we acquired the site for about a half million dollars and I rebuilt it in Gatsby and it was, you know, doing great uh, on launch. It was uh, on track to make like 1.4 million a year. And then Gatsby pushed some different SEO issues that like broke canonicals and we had nonstop SEO issues in, you know, mid 2018 timeframe. And I just swore that I would never like build on another framework where I didn't understand all the SEO implications. And so that was really part of uh, why I wanted to build my own. And yeah, I, I'm sure Gatsby is much better than, today than it was years ago, um, because that's how software works. But that was the motivating factor is I, I knew that the Jamstack was something I liked because of the power that Gatsby gave me and the way that, you know, essentially... WordPress was my training wheels and Gatsby like showed me what the power of the Jamstack. And yeah, I think that's as far as my learning curve, it's a kind of a, a non-traditional one. Um, but that's, that's the way it goes. By far, <laughs> like blockchain uh, learning in 2018 using Node.js. I think what I really took away from that too as well uh, is that you had an end goal. You had a project. And I think the best way to learn is actually having something to learn for. Or have like a reason to learn it, because I think a lot of folks who do boot camps or maybe learn on the side do Code Academy is that they're kind of learning for the sake of learning, mm-hmm. but not actually applying it anywhere. So you mentioned you learned Node.js in and out. You had to because 
there was money at stake. <laughs> and uh, if you didn't know what you were doing right, or you had some sort of like broken loop that you, you pushed to production, that would cost either a lot of money or you'd miss out on a lot of opportunity because the way crypto, especially in 2018, was going, uh, it moves very fast. <laughs> so you could miss a lot of opportunity. You learn a lot about the event loop. Yeah. I learned a ton about the event loop at that time. It was just crazy to think about it because I, I built this tre- paper trading bot that was looking like it was going to do great. And then as I like started running it on my own machine, I realized that the event loop was like delayed like a second and a half or something. Oh, wow. <laughs> and got to learn about the event loop, you know, hands-on and restructured the entire code base uh, to run across 32 or 36 cores, whatever Amazon's largest server was in the Tokyo data center. I, I 100% agree. It's like whether you're learning a programming language or like a, a spoken language, you need a reason to learn it. And if you don't have some sort of end goal in mind, it's a lot harder to learn that. Yeah. And um, so I'm curious about the SEO thing as well, because like um, the value of that I get when you're, you're basically you're bundling stuff and you have static assets like that's going to be a little more performant. Uh, but whatever other some tips and tricks that maybe you could share with the listeners in regards to SEO and maybe even some of the power uh, features for or that you get from Elder.js. Yeah, for sure. I generally say that SEO is do cool stuff and tell people about it. And so uh, my, my view on JavaScript frameworks is that they should get out of your way and they shouldn't cause you SEO headaches. Yeah. And so there shouldn't be a service worker there that they can make it hard to debug. I, I don't think you need a fat client that takes over and does all the client-side routing. That's just another thing to debug. So essentially, if from an SEO perspective, what, what should you, you be thinking about? You should be thinking about shipping static assets and things that make they make Googlebot's life easier to understand what your page is about. And so that means generally HTML that doesn't need to be rendered in order to understand what it is. And so there's several services that do that, um, but Elder.js gets you that right out of the gate because you're just shipping static HTML. The other thing to be thinking about is Google has essentially two versions of Googlebot. One is uh, just looks at the plain HTML, and another one uh, renders the page to make sure that any interactive elements are understood as well. And so if, if you have something that is hydrating, you know, essentially the entire DOM, you're going to have indexation issues where Googlebot will generally realize that the DOM is going to be destroyed and then rebuilt. And we've experienced that with different services, uh, especially Gatsby. We had some issues with that. And so Elder.js uses request idle callback and intersection observer to really not adjust the page at all unless it should be interactive. And so what we've seen is that uh, not only have our web vital scores really improved dramatically, but our indexation issues have gone away as well. Okay, excellent. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all stuff that I, I take for granted. Because um, I, I remember back in, so prior to 2018, I, I learned Node.js in 2015-ish, 2014. And there was like a movement of single-page apps <laughs> and sort of breaking routing and breaking kind of how the web works for the sake of developer happiness and approaching using JavaScript for everything. And I think thanks to like tools like Next.js and the, how they've done routing, as well as some other tools as well, the React Router, they've brought back some of what worked in the web back into some of these fancy JavaScript frameworks. And I like seeing Gatsby now and also uh, Next.js do this. Everybody calls it different things, but like the incremental static site generation, as well as I think Netlify has a, a feature where I continue to butcher and forget what it's called, but in the same vein, like only build the pages that are needed and update those. Uh, everything else is just going to be ready and sort of crawlable by default. So it's interesting that you had to go through all this, this sort of the path and patterns to sort of figure out how to do it right or even get it 
close to good and right and performant because now everybody can benefit from all your knowledge and you kind of going outside the box building blockchain bots <laughs> or crypto bots. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I think incremental uh, static generation is a sexy engineering problem, but it isn't really a problem that should be solved necessarily by the framework unless you're yeah. uh, a business running, like unless you're, you're Vercel or you're Netlify or you have a business model, or you're Gatsby, whatever their paid service is called. It doesn't really quite make sense because you have to track all the data dependencies. And so Elder.js actually takes a different approach to routing and building. Essentially, what, what Elder.js does is allow you to predefine all of the, the pages that you want built, but you can still have dynamic pages on top of those. And what that allows us to do is uh, build every single page in parallel because we're not waiting on having to crawl your site or essentially determine what your URLs are. And that, that allows us to not track the data dependencies, which that's a really sexy engineering problem, but it's not a problem that really drives business value when you can buy a bare metal server for your build server for a hundred bucks a month. And essentially what we found with uh, Elder.js is I wanted builds that scaled with computing resources. And that's what we've gotten. So we're, we're able to build an 18,000 page website in under a minute and a half. And most of that time is built on uh, waiting on the database because there's just so much data that, that we're pulling in on the Elder Guide. Um, but some users of Elder.js have even said that on particularly large builds, um, it's faster than, than some of the, the Go static site generators. Yeah, that is awesome. And uh, I look forward to the, the checking it out. I'm curious, so you, you've got a couple successful startups under your belt. Are you working on anything next? Or are you sort of just focused and taking a break at the moment? So right now, my, my two main projects are uh, Elder Guide and Find Energy. What we found is that generally when you move to a new place, you don't know what your energy providers are, just like you didn't know what your your telephone providers were, or your cable providers, or internet providers. Um, since my non-compete doesn't let me play in those spaces anymore, I, I decided to go away that an industry that actually needs more attention. And so essentially, I, I would say my, my career up until I sold was about making money, and now it's more about impact. And so when, when you look at Find Energy, our goal is to highlight which energy providers are actually doing good. I mean, energy generation in itself is always going to be polluting. Anytime you turn on the light switch in your house, essentially what's happening is a fire is burning a long ways off from your house. Whether that's the sun or it's coal in a, in a power plant, it's, uh, there's a fire a long ways off that is generating energy and we're capturing that. And so inherently, that's always going to have some sort of CO2 emissions. Um, but we want to highlight the energy companies that are you know, efficient with their energy generation. And additionally, I want to make it easier to find what is the efficiency of a solar in my area? Where can I find a solar installer? And right now, as far as our business model, we don't really know what that business model is going to look like, but we know that a better tool needs to exist in that space. And so that's the reason we're building it. Okay. So I would say essentially the business incentives in the senior care space are not productive to building a great startup. Essentially, there's two major companies and both of them scalp the nursing homes, um, which is unfortunate. Um, I'm not going to talk into too much uh, detail on on those companies. Fair enough. But essentially, Elder Guide is going to be uh, sitting there and cooking for a few years, and Fine Energy is becoming my main focus, along with obviously Elder JS, because that powers both those sites and all my other assets. Yeah, yeah, and, and it sounds like once you sort of figured out the the shovel and how to sort of, or even the tools that you have, you sort of built that framework library Elder.js to now you can rinse and repeat into a new industry. So I'm excited to learn more about this fine energy uh, project you're working on. Uh, I was just actually just in Home Depot and like they always have those guys who ask about have you converted the solar yet? And in my mind, it's like, yeah, you're here because you're going to charge me 50K to install solar panels in my house. 
And I wonder if there's a better way to to take advantage of solar that doesn't involve me signing a big check. Anyway, we could talk about this off air, but yeah, I'm curious to see what that sort of disruption looks like. Also, same thing with like in the Bay Area, PG&E's got some issues starting fires um, and and poor practices as well. So, apologies to anybody who works at PG&E and listening, but uh, uh, there's opportunity to do better and get better as well. The good news on that front is, in, in our lifetime, I think that we'll see energy as a service essentially. I think. Uh, you know, in the next 20 years, that might be a reality where you pay a flat rate for your energy bill. And it's kind of like your internet bill. And so, yeah, you have some sort of cap on it. But if solar and all these renewable energy things become more efficient, I see that coming in the future. And so do a lot of industry parties. So that's, that's exciting. Cool. I wanted to circle back to as well before we sort of wind up this conversation, because I remembered you had mentioned in passing about short codes. And I, did, I actually sort of nodded along as I knew what you were talking about. Can you explain the value of short codes and why that matters in um, SEO? Yeah, so Elder.js was inspired by WordPress, and WordPress is, was inspired by tools before it. But essentially, short code is a, a string that wraps around other content, or it can be used as a placeholder. And so the power of short codes that I think is often overlooked in the, the JavaScript community, it, the reason they're so powerful is often you have a content team that's responsible for content, and then you as the developer or the, the project manager are responsible for presenting that content. And it's generally two different teams. And what, what I find is that short codes make it incredibly easy to essentially put a placeholder in the content. So, hey, I want a graph here. I have a graph short code. It's okay. like bracket, bracket, graph, and then you give it a name. And that allows the developer to pick it up and uh, essentially insert a graph there. But where the true power of short codes comes in is future-proofing your content. And so as, as the web becomes more driven by headless CMSs, giving your, your content production team short codes and, or a specific string that wraps their, their content as placeholders makes it very easy to uh, future-proof should you change designs or change front-end on it. A good example of this is a YouTube uh, video. If you have a 1,000 posts and you go and you have a 1,000 YouTube videos and you go grab the embed code on all of those, well, should the embed code change, you now have a problem and you have to change a 1,000 of them. Where instead, if you just came up with a like a YouTube shortcode and you passed in the YouTube ID, you could change all of them at once. And this, this is a very friendly way of building large sites and working with not so technical content teams. I, I feel like WordPress shortcodes, like if you've been in the WordPress community, you understand the power of it. And it's amazing how often I talk to JavaScript the people in the JavaScript community and or even the Jamstack community, and they're just unaware of it. And so that was really built into Elder.js at its core because let's say you want to display your latest tweet, you need to make an API call. You need to do these different things, but that often lives within content. And so it's a really efficient way of future-proofing your content. Okay, excellent. Yeah, in the context that I understand this too as well, I've used WordPress years ago, like 10, 15 years ago. I feel old saying that, but I I was pretty young when I was using it though. So bear that with the greatest salt listener. Um, But what I'm getting at is that uh, dev.2, our forum, uh, they use short codes in their content, and I never made that correlation that perhaps they sort of borrowed that from WordPress or other SEO plays back in the, well, the current Web 2.0 phase of the internet. Um, so, yeah, excellent. Thanks for sort of breaking that down for me, and also thanks for sharing the story of Elder.js and Elder Guides um, and all the work you've been doing. I definitely wish you the best of luck uh, to your f- future endeavors, uh, and would love to stay in touch. And um, we're not actually ending the podcast now. I want to actually transition us to picks. So these are jam picks, things that we're jamming on. Could be music, food, uh, could be travel related as well, hint, hint. 
But if you don't mind, I'll go first because I've got two quick picks. Uh, one is on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash bdunky. Just a reminder, I changed the, uh, the short code on that, which is uh, my, my profile. It's bdunky now. And um, I actually just released a blockchain series. So I spent some time. I've always had issues with uh, this blockchain development in general uh, because like everybody sort of touts Ethereum as being like the place for developers. But it's always been really dense in content and developer experience. Uh, has not been super easy to sort of pick up and run with uh, to build anything. And I've tried multiple different, you know, blockchain, crypto uh, currencies and stuff like that to build products on it. And uh, I finally found one that works, and uh, it's the graph. So the graph actually it provides a GraphQL endpoints for you to build Jamstack esque applications with uh, with GraphQL. And I walked through do, using the graph and using Urkel as my client consumer. And then Next.js is my, my front-end client as well. So uh, I get to sort of do leverage the blockchain without building my own blockchain servers. Uh, that will be in the future. I, I will build out some other courses uh, and videos around that. But I wanted to focus on stuff that I knew first. Uh, so that way I had context on how to learn this as opposed to deep diving into all this Web3 technology stuff, which just kind of makes my, my brain boil or my eyes roll back. So I feel like it's a good intro. If anybody's interested, definitely check it out. And then the second thing is we have docs on my open source project, opensauce.pizza. Uh, so we have docs.opensauce.pizza. Uh, this was actually a, a community contribution. Um, they actually contributed docosaurus. So I was already, already creating docs on my own behalf uh, just to explain how the project works how to contribute, how to leverage it, how to use dark mode. And uh, someone's like, hey, and I was hoping someone would do this, to be quite honest. So I, I created inside a project as a good practice to have a docs folder uh, and then a bunch of markdown files. And Docker source will just take that folder and then render it into a statically deployed application. So uh, if anybody's interested in finding your next open source contribution, just check out docs at opensauce.pizza and uh, you'll be on your way. That's awesome. For my picks, um, I've, I've got one that's a country and one that's uh, an open source package. I'll start with the open source package because I think it uh, deserves credit because essentially, often I say Svelte is the cheat code and I, the other cheat code I have is uh, PostgreSQL. Essentially, you, if you have a, a Postgres database, you point PostgreSQL at it and you get a full CRUD GraphQL endpoint. It's pretty amazing. I don't know how I built things before it. Uh, the thought of manually building my own APIs today is that makes my eyes roll back in my head. So I, I totally agree with you there on that. As far as my, my second pick is Andorra as a country. My wife is from Spain, the Barcelona area. And Spain is a, a great place, but they like to tax incredibly heavy. And having had uh, several prior successes, I'm not willing to live in Spain due to the tax reasons. But and Andorra has always been on our radar. It's been a place we've gone to ski several times, but it's a little country that's between uh, Spain and France. And so my wife and I, are. we went on a little vacation to Spain and made a trip to Andorra. And we started talking to attorneys and we found out that we could actually live there without a crazy tax bill. Um, we'll still have to pay all of our U.S. taxes as usual. But if everything goes well, it'll be our new home base. And so we'll, we'll be in Europe. And I, right now, I think you and I are nine hours apart. But I often say that the, the Central European time zone is by far the best time zone because you get to have a whole day's work ahead of when people wake up on the East Coast. And on the West Coast, it's even it's even better. So... I'm a huge fan of Andorra. It's a little country of about 60,000 people, but has about 10 million tourists visit it a year to go shopping and skiing. And yeah, it's uh, 
hopefully we'll be calling that home. Yeah, that is amazing. And uh, we were chatting about this uh, offline too as well. I had not heard of Andorra as a country. I thought I knew a lot of the countries. It might have just missed uh, in one of my college courses. But yeah, I'm actually looking forward to doing some Wikipedia and Google image searching of Andorra after this call. So thanks for uh, sharing that pick. And uh, listeners, hopefully you're going to be doing some Google searching as well and checking out LDJS for your next SEO place. And uh, keep spreading the jam. That's all the time we have for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, check out their library. It's packed with amazing talks on sales, marketing, product, and general management from founders of developer tools companies and other industry leaders. 